1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast, brought to you by the Genesis Company. Company. A Thursday morning. It's December twenty eighth. I'm Britt Robson from MinPost here with me today. Britt, we last chatted a week ago uh, last Thursday, which means since then the Wolves beat the LeBronless Lakers at Target Center. They went to Sacramento, beat the Kings without Cat, and they lost in Oklahoma City on Tuesday night. So I think you know, throughout this episode, we can touch on whatever random elements we want to get to from from those games. But I wanted to start here. We, we've talked about this really difficult stretch of games yeah. that the Wolves are on. 16 games started December 11th. 16 games where they play teams over 500. All, every, all 16 teams are over 500. Eleven of those sixteen games on the road. We've said that a million different times. Uh, it was a stretch that you said you were like, "Hey, it's a success." You go eight and eight over that over that time, and the Wolves. Part of that was because the Wolves were seventeen and four before right. the stretch started. Uh, so going eight and eight would leave them twenty five and twelve. Well, as of today, they do play the Mavs tonight. But as of today, when we're recording this. Um, they're eight games into that sixteen-game right, stretch, halfway. right? uh And they are five and three. Do you have a guess of where they rank offensively and defensively in that stretch?
2: No, I don't. I, I imagine it's middle of the pack, though.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I don't so... think
2: they're. I don't think they're starring at either end of the court. I think Sacramento game probably boosted them in some ways, right? But I, I don't think that uh, we haven't seen the Wolves in vintage form, what we know is vintage form in the 23-24 season. And I think Oklahoma City had a lot to do with that the other night, but I also think that there have been games during this eight-game stretch uh, where uh, they they have had a habit, and this is common, of – once you're successful, especially if you're newly successful, um, you have a habit of teasing out things. Procrastinating right. is what a writer would say. Yeah. Uh, but as a basketball team, it's waiting for the second half.
1: It so so they were in the first twenty one games before the stretch started, they were seventeen and four, like we said, they were number one on defense and number thirteen on offense. Uh, again, so we, we enter this with like go 500, you know. Basically, right. we we're saying, you know, be be mediocre, uh, that's fine. And they pretty much have been that in this eight game stretch where they're five and three, they're seventh, they've gone to seventh on defense, um, in this time and 22nd on offense. And I was just kind of thinking about that overall. I'm like, okay, yeah, five and three, like that's solid, seventh or 22nd on offense, seventh on defense. And, you know, doing the framing of like the 500 sort of thing, though, I I sit here and be like, I I think it can be better. You know, I think it could have been better. I think it it can be better. And maybe we were doing the eight and eight thing uh, a little bit, you know, too much just because the initial record was so good. I I think I it's funny how like 22nd on offense and seventh on defense, that's kind of like last season. Right. Just Mm -hmm. in terms of. Uh, rankings wise, but you understand they've been playing hard teams and doing, doing that. I, I don't have any like macro critiques on, on the eight games. Other than it's like, you just, what has kind of been the main thing over the course of the year. You wish the offense was a little bit better. And, and that, number being, being 22nd over these last eight games, you kind of go again. You're like, I wish the offense was a little bit better. So that would be my only real nitpick. I have, a, I have eight a nitpick. Games. Okay.
2: Um, and Finch mentioned this at practice yesterday and has mentioned it off and on and anybody who watches the team knows this um they have a great proclivity of playing one and two man possessions on offense and it's maddening uh maybe they throw the ball around a couple of times, but what it still boils down to, is a guy dribbling the ball, staring at the defense and figuring out how he's going to beat that defense. Yep. That happens so often with mm-hmm. this team. Happens with Cat, happens with Ant, happens with Jade McDaniels.
1: Sure.
2: About the only guy it doesn't really happen to is Conley, and that's only because he's smart enough to stay outside the arc and bang in three-pointers.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, it
2: happens to Rudy uh, way too much. Um all these people think that they can take on double teams and drive through seams that aren't there. And and actually, Ann is quite good at it. But he's also constantly being alert to the slightest thing that can brush by him. And part of that is because he sees the way stars on other teams are refed, and he isn't really getting that whistle. But it's still, it's a distracting element. It is not the caliber of play both mentally and athletically, that we have seen from him. And some of that is that this team, when you're on the court with five guys and you're sharing the ball and the passing is crisp and the spacing is wide and you're giving yourself up for your teammate on a better shot most of the time, what is going to happen when you're as talented as the Wolves are in this roster is you're going to have an above average defense. You may not be top 10, but you will be better than you are now. And offense? Yes, offense.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah. top uh, 10 offense.
2: Okay. I I think that I think they're capable of being a top 10 offense. I just don't expect the improvement I just talked about to I don't think that's baked into their DNA enough. And I'm not going to be greedy. If the defense remains elite, mm-hmm. I'll take 13th on offense. Yeah.
1: Which, again, is exactly where they were 21 games into the season against a more neutral schedule or, quote-unquote, easier schedule. But I'm tired of this
2: uh, (laughs) yo-yo dribbling, trying to figure out how I'm going to make it through two defenders ready to stop me. It's just stupid basketball. And um, I don't understand it other than that they can rely – on their um, defense most of the time. Now that is breaking down a little bit. And part of it is, of course, they're playing better teams. But it is – there are two things wrong with this team right now. The mainstays of the starters are selfish with the basketball, and the bench is nowhere near as good on offense as everybody would hope they be. Uh, Nas has his moments. And he's fantastic at times. Nah has his moments and is very good at times. But in general, um, they don't play with a synergy either. Um, And there's blended lineups. So, you know, there's all kinds of reasons for it. But Shake Milton's disappearance has certainly hurt. Troy Brown Jr. coming back to earth, even in lesser minutes. So, you know, you can blame Fitch for not giving him more run, but I understand it. Uh that hurts. Um and I think slow-mo certainly I know there are slow-mo apologists out there, and I'm as big a slow-mo guy as there is, in many respects, probably not to the point of being an apologist, but the guy continually turns down wide open three-point shots, and the very few he attempts shows you why. Yeah. And so therefore, that option that spacing option is taken away, and that's huge. Um, if you're a guy who who wants to magnetize defenders toward you, which he is now forced to do either off the dribble or operating solely at the nail, then that diminishes a great part of his game. Remember when D'Lo was getting off because Slow Mo was in the at the nail, but then able to you know move outside with D'Lo sure. would be inside. You know they they they'd vary in and out slomo had the three point line he was a verifiable 41 percent shooter for the season he finished there and I okay so he's not gonna do that now how about his career average how about not 22 for 21 for a season the both numbers on that are obscene 21 shots in 25 games from deep
1: it so it, it's interesting if you start that with right like too much of the yo-yoing, right, or the focus on isolation, right? Yeah. And and that's that's cat and ant pre- predominantly. Right. But I think you just kind of went to define why it's so much yo-yoing and that's because there aren't there haven't been offensively reliable, you know, a- additional options for them to go to or to to super rely on the ball movement uh, all the time because it'll just stop at some point when Somebody might not be being guarded, you know, legitimately out, out right. on, on the perimeter there. So I kind of get why Cat and Aunt, like Cat in the, the second quarter of that that Thunder game, you know, it was just kind of like isolation over and over again. And and I remember Jim Pete saying on the broadcast is like, it can't be isolation like they're coming. They're coming for it. But I remember stopping there when I was rewatching. I'm like, I'm not sure what the other things to necessarily go to given what that group on the floor was around him you know um it it needs to be like a deliberate a deliverance by cat and ant to figure that out but they also need some help from around them and i think the one thing the difference when i look at okay they were 13th on offense before this stretch and now they're 22nd I think the defense dropping hurts the offense a little bit, too. Absolutely. I, I right. get why the defense is dropped, because they just play better teams. I mean, this is an insane right. stretch right. against, like, a stud offensive player every single game. But I think that's part of it, too. Can you get the defense back to igniting some fast breaks, putting some pace into the game, a Rudy block, a steal here, a deflection, whatever? I think that can I, – I guess what I'm saying is I think something else needs to bring offense so it, it seems less bogged down in and around the cat and ant touches.
2: I think both
1: can be true.
2: I would agree with everything you just said, but I would not give them a pass because of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I I think that what is happening, if you watch that game, the OKC game, every you watched it, what impressed me, aside from the fact that they're so well coached, is that they play at a high pace and are patient at the same time. The Wolves don't play at that pace and are less patient. Mm-hmm. So um it's like the Thunder get up the floor and then they settle in. They they, you know, Shea has the ball, he's a triple threat. He can he can hit the mid-range, he can draw the foul, he can get to the cup, he's six six. People forget how big he is. Um But then there are three point shooters perched around. There's a lot of driving kick. They got Chet, who's learning how to take things off the bounce. Um, But at the end of the day, they rely on the open man and they don't mind a few possessions. The Wolves snuffed a few possessions. I mean, not, I mean, a few, like three passes in. The guy getting the ball was still covered and the thunder didn't panic because their pace was crisp they didn't spend 3 or 4 seconds think of how how few players other than um SGA and occasionally Chet would size up the defense the way they did and even if they did do that they didn't spend 3 seconds on it they spent a half a second on it and then went or then did something and that decision making which Finch has always cited Nas as being the guy who does that well. And Slomo does it pretty well, too, except, you know, now he's got this issue with his shooting. But they still, Ant and Cat, need to get off the ball, even if it's just to get on the ball in a better place two seconds later. But there needs to be momentum. Right now there's not momentum in the half-court offense, and I understand that I grant your point that better defense, getting turnovers, getting that pace ingrained into your system would be better. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you need both, especially against really good teams. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised they're 5-3, given that I thought the Sacramento game was um, – a stamp game that was like a you know put that one put that one in in with like a half a dozen others that are like okay you play like that you're going beyond the first round
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: A lot of the games in this eight game stretch, um, well, obviously the losses, but even a couple of the wins have been, eh, you know, pulled it out, gritty ball, good, but not vintage
1: Wolves games. But the, the Sacramento game was that yes, was it was that and, was and, a, a really so let's let's start there um, okay
2: that was Ant for one thing mm-hmm. doing both things scoring decisively and getting off the ball pretty well
1: yeah and and Rudy played really well in that game offensively yeah it was right. that that was and I guess to set the table a little bit obviously to remember Carl wasn't Towns missed that game. Right. And, and that was just noticeable right away, right? They were – is the most frequent screening I've seen from Rudy. Like, that was really the plan. It was – use Rudy, you know, as a screener. Um a roller, Because right. it was – yeah, a roller because it was him and Anderson who started rather than Towns. And I was just kind of thinking about it more broadly through these two – last two games, Kings and Thunder. The Wolves against small teams – and how a year ago at this time, we, you know, that was the idea of, are these the teams that will play Rudy off the floor? You know, mm-hmm. does this break the double big look? Right. And I think we can make some cases for how more so Oklahoma City than Sacramento did break the double big look. But I don't think in at all, at any point, you're, you're thinking, well, Rudy had to leave the game. It, right. I don't think it was that. Like Rudy was nowhere near being quote unquote played off the floor, the double big look Rudy and someone else um, or more often I thought Carl and Nas that got played off. I think that's a, I think that's an encouraging sign that particularly against the Kings against a smaller, faster team offensively Rudy punished. And, and that in itself, I think is a, is a win because we haven't really had many signals at all that, you know that fear that Rudy needs to get played off is is a sure. thing, and all. and I think it's interesting in the context that like the guy that Rudy was guarding in both of those games, Chet and Chet Holmgren for the Thunder and Demontis Sabonis uh, for the Kings played really well offensively mm-hmm. and kind of did hurt Rudy. Chet on the pop, Sabonis kind of on the roll isolation attacks there. But even through that, you I don't or at least for me there wasn't any point in the game where I'm like, well you need to. You need to bench Rudy here and go like smaller and go yeah, It was it was the other way where I was like, once Rudy's off the floor, I'm not sure how this still pretty big team reacts and adjusts to uh, to the speed. So I think that's a weird sort of win um, mixed mixed into this all here, which hits more on the macro. I think thought yeah. of the team too,
2: and I do think if we. Telescope it out to the season thus far. The Wolves are one and one against the Kings, very obviously. Very obvious loss, very obvious win. They're one and one against the Thunder. Not so very obvious win, but a good, tough, solid win and an obvious loss. Um, When they play their game and the other team isn't totally on their game, I mean, there have been a few games, like the Miami game and the Boston game I can think of where the opponent played extremely well and they were a quality opponent to boot and the Wolves beat them. Um, But there are also a lot of games where you're playing a quality opponent that isn't playing vintage or great elite ball but are playing well. And those are the games um, if you – Those are kind of the litmus test games for where are the Wolves at the moment, you know? And um, I thought the Thunder played extremely well, So, but I I would have liked to have seen that be an eight-point loss rather than what could have easily been a 28-point loss. Um, The Thunder played, I think, a little better than they usually do, although the way they're playing now, hard to say but the wolves did not play well. And when I, you know, I was thinking, looking for answers to connections or whatever. I I read your tweet about, you know, anybody got any ideas on, you know, this is what's the common pattern in these losses. Well, what I came up with, you know, at least the last two was SGA and Embiid are like the two of the three or four best mid range shooters in the game. Mm -hmm. And they also take a ton of them and they like it. They want, you to give them the mid-range game because they will burn you enough that then they can begin to leverage the mid-range game into things you originally were trying to take away. Uh so I asked Twitch about that, you know, do you game plan going in knowing somebody is that good at the mid-range, do you kind of factor that into your game plan so that You know, I'm sure you have, like, crunch time defense where you're saying, we need to take that away from this person. Do you implement that earlier is what I was going to get to. But Finch wasn't in the mood for any of that. Finch Mm -hmm. was in the mood to rip his defense. And, you know, he just basically said it had nothing to do with game plans at all. Our defense has been, you know, was bad, been bad for a couple weeks. We have it at three levels you know, the shells bad. We have ball contained. That's bad. Then you have gaps. That's bad. Then you have low man. That's bad. I don't understand why it's bad, but it's bad.
1: Why do you think it's bad?
2: Well, I think that this it's bad because it's the ups and downs of an NBA season. Mm-hmm. And you're, right. you know, uh, And yeah,
1: nothing's broken. It's just maybe a bit of a lull or something.
2: And, 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 I am heartened by the idea that Finch is not going to rest on this team's laurels. Sure. Uh, This is, this was exactly the game to say we got embarrassed. Here are the ways we got embarrassed Mm -hmm. because the team can say, Hey, Oklahoma city is good. They're on a run. Everybody would, you know, that game was as much about Oklahoma city being really good as the Wolves not being really good. But you can also make the case that the Wolves weren't really good. And you can also make the case that the Wolves weren't really good in ways that they've been trending to not be very good after being very good. So this is when a coach does need to step in and say, hey, remember who we are? We're not that thing right now. We need to get back to that thing. And that thing is aggressive ball-contained, and then if ball-contained falls down, being alert enough and hustling enough to fill gaps so that that ball-contained doesn't get to the rim, and then if it does get to the rim, having that low man come over and be the third line of defense. And what he was saying was that was a basically a collective breakdown of all three of those areas. And SGA will do that too. He's probably yeah. the best guy in the NBA with the possible exception of Luca, although I, again I don't even think Luca off the ball is his big a threat. I mean when, when when Shea has got the ball moving toward the rim, I think he's the biggest threat in the NBA right
1: now. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to argue with, right? I mean, and again, it that's what's been sort of interesting about this stretch of games that the Wolves are on. It is really a different type of dynamic threat that they're facing. Right. Every sure. game, um, and I even I, again, I just think like the two the the Kings and Thunder game were interesting there too because it's you have both like Fox and uh and SGA as these, as these options that you know to get downhill to, to play off a of ball screen action to do to do all those sort of things, and yeah, like if Shay's getting into the mid range and hitting those shots, like that, that's going to be tough. I think what stands out to me, though, in those two games is what the role man did. And mm-hmm. in very different ways, um, Sabonis and, and Holmgren and and how, you know, like Fox could come off of it and then he just would like sort of wait a half a beat for Sabonis to like flare off a little bit or roll up Gobert a little bit. And Sabonis hurt Gobert and sort of a now what becomes a one on one isolation situation off of that initial pick and roll action. And then Chet the same way. He's using the roll action of that, but more in the pop. And Rudy's needing to navigate that space to, you know, to recover out to him while also wanting to defend the rim. I think in what has been a defensive player of the year season for Rudy Gobert, like that's that one thing, right? Can he can he turn that up? Um and now you do that. Like he's probably already going to win defensive player of the year, but he's established this shell. He's inspired this defense. He's done all this stuff. Can you like, can you build that fence, but also be like the pointy spikes at the top of the fence doing, doing everything that Rudy does for the defense as a whole, but can you also, can you also shut that down? Can you shut down Simonis there too? And, and I know that's asking a ton for Rudy and at the, but if he does that, right mm-hmm. if he grows a little bit more or gets back to some of his elite 1 on 1 defense in addition to the shell in addition to playing in coverage now you put yourself up in the like the mvp conversation the mm-hmm. all star that that sort of thing uh, or all nba because i think that might be what this team needs to sustain like the one seed the entirety of the season is is Rudy to do everything that he does but also um everything he does for the team, but also a little bit more to you know neutralize those superpowers that are coming at him one on one. And the, the same thing goes for defending Shea. Like I thought but, Shea went at him too much. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Right. But let's remember that Fox and Sabonis were shut out in the fourth quarter of that game.
1: That's yep. Good point. And and
2: mm-hmm. and so Sabonis did hurt Rudy. A lot in the third quarter, I thought, and then uh, occasionally early, not quite as chronically early. And I think some of that had to do with the fact that Fox was a one-man team before then. Right. And so I think what they did is they began to overplay Fox, and therefore Sabonis was able to get those isolations in a better position on the floor. Yeah. And so I think some of that was a natural reaction. And as much a part of the leadership of the defense as Rudy is, and it's another question I asked Finch that he didn't want to answer. He just wanted to rip yesterday. So I wanted to talk about trust because I thought Rudy began to think Rudy began to look like old Rudy last year when SGA continued to get to the cup. Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to go guard this guy now, and nobody is filling back for me on this. Kat was obviously he's questionable today makes sense he just wasn't you know he wasn't moving well anybody who's watched the game Mm -hmm. saw that i mean kudos i guess to him for wanting to play but it turned out to be a, a loss i think in terms of the wolves effectiveness but in terms of what your better point or your greater point is um i agree that the hybrid scheme of Wolves roaming and Utah rim protection. I mean, that's a very simplistic way to put it, but Mm -hmm. Rudy has to maintain a very fine balance and has to have both the instincts to know that that balance is being skewed. But the only way he gets that measurement accurately is if his teammates can be trustworthy. And I don't see his teammates being trustworthy. Uh, You know, I have a tendency, I think, to rip Ant because my bar for him is unreasonably high. But I think Ant is not playing at the level he has his games. Like Sacramento, and he has his moments in every game. But when they were on that, you know, six-game winning streak or eleven out of, you know, they won twenty-one out of twenty-five, and and in the meat of some of that really good stuff, Ant was was well. I mean, I don't know if this is still true, but the Wolves have one of the low, they one of their lowest defensive ratings is when Ant's on the floor, and that. Defense from Ant is crucial to this team. I mean, Ant can be such a force on defense, and he can also disappear,
1: you know? It's like... uh, So do you think that's like navigating some, like, in-season fatigue, which, again, is like a normal thing, but now you're like 25 games in, you know? and I think it's a reasonable, it's, you know, watching Luca play last night too. Right. And right. it's like, yeah, and you know, he's not doing anything on defense. Right. Upright, whatever, you know, right. like, and and Luca does that mm-hmm. because he's just conserving energy. And right. I'm, not, I'm not making the argument for No, that no, no, I agree. But, but it's the, when you are that, playing that role on your team's offense, um, I, I, I never know what, like, the right amount of Expectation is to put on that player. Then, defensively, my inclination is to go need a little bit more from Ant. I'm definitely noticing that in the Thunder. You go back and watch the Thunder game and a lot of the easy clips that the Thunder had. Anthony Edwards is like one pass away, one help away. He's the gap help yep. in that there too. And yeah, I mean that I've never gotten to the point with Ant where I'm like, this is an elite defender or this is a high end defender. It's it's I always get it. it get can get there. Uh, right. It's not consistently. That. And he
2: has had like four or five game stretches where he's stacked really good defensive performances where I'm close to anointing him at that level. Yeah. But but it isn't there yet, I agree. Um, one thing I will say, when I watch him in the locker room going to or from the shower or getting changed or, you know, just going over to somebody, he's not moving easily. I mean, I think I pointed it out to you yeah, uh, when we were there the other day is I think he's still got a slight hitch sore in hip. his walk. Yeah, yeah, he's got a sore hip. And you know, if if you're an elite athlete at the age of twenty-two and you're walking a little funny, you have more than a sore hip according to most people. You know <laughs> what I mean? I mean he's got a he's got a deep bruise on his hip or something is is uh I mean he clearly is not trying to gain sympathy from anybody walking around the locker room, you know, where he, he kind of mentally at least feels like he's in his, Mm -hmm. his own cocoon where nobody is seeing him. You know Uh, I think that he's still a little dinged up and I don't know how much of that affects him mentally when he's got to be that gap help and uh, or whatever. Uh, And also maybe just
1: some subconscious conservation. Well, Also,
2: he's getting increasingly pissy with the refs. And I think that that may have something to do with, you know, when you're not 100% physically Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you're still going what you regard as 100%, but you're not getting the results you want. Um, You know, and this could all be telescoping. It could just be that he is in a mental slump. But I, I think that uh, just seeing him walk a little bit gingerly, um, you know, at the age he's at, he's not playing a ton of minutes. He's not, you know, there's nothing to suggest that Ant, you know, deserves to be beaten down right now. Uh, and yet I don't think that um, the fluidity you know, he can turn it on. I was, you know, he's still getting through four defenders occasionally sure, yeah. <laughs> and it in, you know, but, yeah. you know, so that's part of it too. I, I, I you know.
1: I, I did kind of like when I was watching the Thunder game, but I, I put down, this kind of reminds me of Ant in a back-to-back. And, and, mm-hmm. and I wasn't thinking about like any lingering damage from right, his injuries right. or whatever. Right. And maybe, maybe that is what it was. I was just, I think, understandably, it was like, you know, it was Christmas yesterday, you know, like, it just, it kind of,
2: and he's had some issues, you know? Yeah.
1: He's had some issues with that in particular, like kind of, you know, being able to, to sustain Mm -hmm. through that. So I don't know. I mean, this is, this is the middle of the season, right? This you're now, you're now dealing with your star players, not being 100%. You've relied really heavily on your top, you know, your, your starting five, your top eight, um, this is the the time of year where, even if you go, you know, people talk about like, oh, who's going to be the ninth man, right? Is it Troy Brown? Is it Shake Milton? Is it Jordan McLaughlin? And a frequent retort there is like, doesn't matter, like, because come the playoffs, that ninth guy is not going to play, and that's totally right. I do wonder for the regular season point of that, and if we're you know putting a lot of weight on being the first or second seed or whatever in the West, if you go we might be entering the time where those players are going to be needed to sort of weather the storm, even if they're not going to set the rotation uh, come the playoffs. And the, and then, right, the things to reference there would be Ant looking like he's still sore after games with his hip. Carl obviously didn't look physically him himself in that last game. We've also seen on a, a lot of nights – carl doing like little leg stretch things he's looked like he's had just had some lower body irritation uh Uh for for most of the season that just kind of like comes with the territory of being a high usage 28 year old like that that stuff is gonna happen it's you know i just the wolves really try and play through stuff but you know, pretty much every night when I'm turning on League Pass, it's like, oh yeah, Donovan Mitchell's missed the last four games. You know, this is right. it's just like those guys miss time. This 82 right. season, 82 game season is stupid. It limits the quality of play. Like that is we we so obviously know that now. So I don't think any of this is like an indictment of right. like Pat and Ant or whatever. It's just like, yeah, staying 17 and four, the winning that. Right. Winning at that level is probably going to be really difficult to do. Not because your team isn't that good. It's just hard in the NBA to to sustain anything because you get tired.
2: And tell it to Mike Conley, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's fair too. But man, we both—I know, I know. I this know. This it's guys a, so well, nice. I mean, and everybody
2: should be crossing their fingers or whatever superstition you have. Yeah. Just say, keep that Mike Conley mojo, that healthy anti-voodoo doll he's got somewhere, you know, in a place where uh, he does not go down. Because I will tell you, we've seen enough second unit performance Mm -hmm. to know that at the very least, if Naar comes in because he has to become the starting point guard and you get the redo of Ant January 2023, where he was the primary Mm -hmm. playmaker or whatever, both of those fixes are going to fade fast. And uh, meanwhile, your second unit is in in shreds. I yeah. mean, you know, slow-mo is your guy, but he can't bring the ball up necessarily. And it's just, I mean, you know, it, it's the another chapter on how valuable Mike Conley is. And, you know, I mean, I thought Jordan McLaughlin's line the other night was just, just the quintessential Jordan McLaughlin line. I mean, he played like eight minutes or something. Yeah, he, he was one for five. He had three
1: steals, yeah,
2: four assists. I mean, you know, and multiple guy, offensive
1: rebounds. I remember that. I mean, I don't know. He had multiple coming offenses. out of
2: the blue, coming yeah. out of the blue, getting the ball, mm-hmm. never having the ball in his hands for any more than a second. You know, yeah. uh, He's just a beautiful player until everybody leaves him alone. He catches it from somebody.
1: Yeah. Jason, and I were talking about that yesterday too. And I was like, that's the one thing I need to like every, cause I've done this like 10 times over the yeah. last three years where I'm yeah. like, Jordan McLaughlin, I think he's, they need to play him more. And every time I need to remind myself of like, well, they will adjust to the lack of shooting there. Now, if J-Mac can, you know, that that funky form, you know, fling in 36, 37% of them. Exactly. Then then it's like, then I'm to the point where I'm like, yeah, maybe he should be the ninth man. But like we have we've been here before and that right. is that is the thing, you know, that 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 gets in the way there. But uh Yeah and that is the blister
2: on Finch's uh game plans. If somebody can't shoot they're not gonna stay in the lineup.
1: Unless they're Kyle Anderson.
2: Well, except that Kyle Anderson, what he's forgiving about Kyle Anderson is not that he misses shots, it's that he doesn't take shots. That's where SOMO is hurting the team right now. And Finch is smart enough to know that. I think what Finch is doing is fighting the long game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be totally out of my wavelength here. I don't know this to be a fact at all. But I imagine right now, there is an eternal, internal struggle as to whether or not this team can afford to keep slow-mo after this year. And Mike Conley now is a lock. I mean, any comments about who will it be, Conley or slow-mo, that argument is over. So if that argument is over and you're not going to trade Cat and you're going to keep Nas, mm-hmm. then the idea of keeping slow-mo given his current performance Mm -hmm. is not tenable. It's not something that this team can do. And Finch is 75 times more aware of all of this intricacies of this than I am and is, I think, trying to let slow-mo, you know, give him enough rope to either play his usual Tarzan thing or hang himself, you
1: know? Yeah. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one, you know, with, with slomo, but because I'm not sure really, you know, what what the alternatives are. I like obviously one people are gonna reference is like the shiny new toy that hasn't been used yet. And like that's you mean you know, Minot? Leonard, Leonard Miller, Josh Mina, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think like um I think the stakes are too high for that. I, I do too.
2: I mean, right. you know, I, I, you know me, I was, I'm big on Minot. I'm bigger on Miller than you are, uh, but I'm a huge Minot guy. Well,
1: well, the reason you say big is like, I just think it's going to take Leonard Miller a yeah. couple of years to be able to fit into one of the best teams in the league, you know, just from a discipline yeah, and all that fair. that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I guess I just say that and would be, would love to be proven wrong. You know, maybe they do just mm-hmm. go, okay, you start, having Leonard Miller be taking some minutes here and there, maybe when guys start missing some time, I, I'd love to be proven wrong. My, my just hesitation in, in with that is kind of a lot of the stuff we talk about with Ant, you know, um, some, which is just youth, youth mm-hmm. stuff, you right. know, uh, shot selection, defensive awareness, those sort of things. Obviously Leonard Miller's a really good athlete who can create a shot pretty much whenever right. he wants. Right. And he can make really great defensive plays. But what does that look like in – you know, a five person defensive shell, at least with Kyle Anderson, you know, Kyle's going to be doing his job there, but, but, you know, to be fair, and I'm not making this argument, but maybe what other people are arguing is like, well, Dane, you've just been talking about how offense is the problem, you know, maybe, maybe (coughs) there, maybe there are sacrifices that, that you make to the defense. Kyle Anderson has been really good at defense, really bad Mm -hmm. at offense. Um, You know, maybe, Maybe you lean more into offense. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think also, you know, you just kind of march along and a lot of these things will fix themselves. You're a really good team. Uh, but, but it's sort of about, I don't think you want to be here a month, six weeks from now and going, yeah, that was another six weeks where they were below average offensive team, like mm-hmm. at some point to reach the aspirations that I think the fan base has, the front office has, the coaching staff, the players have, of being a really good team. You need to find a way to more consistently be a good offensive team, and um, I think that's, you know, that's part of the journey of this season is is trying things, navigating that. Also, I I can't help but remember previous seasons where the calendar shifted to January first and this team almost out of nowhere became an elite offensive team. Mm-hmm. That's happened multiple times and it's been fueled by ball movement. Maybe it just is I don't even know how to like wrap my head around what right. that is but it's happened multiple times and after like 30 games this team is like all right, we get that ball movement is super necessary for us to have success. We do it and then the defense or the offense just gets way, way better. I I think that's probably the answer more so than a trade or a shift in the rotation. I think it's um, hope just, just kind of plugging along and, and finding a mid season rhythm offensively, Mm -hmm. which you've done with this group, uh, you know, right. Multiple times in the past few years.
2: And I guess where I'm coming from is when I say there's too much at stake, This is not a team that you want to start tinkering with. You're not ready players yet because, um, and I don't, I'll be frank. If they keep the number one seed the entire season, I will be surprised. Um, What I regard as a successful regular season is one of the four spots that gets you hosting the first round. Mm. Um, That to me and that's going to be a really good team yeah. because I will tell you um, Memphis with Ja and now Marcus Smart, that's a different team. Um, the Clippers are for real. All of a sudden, everybody now is in sync. Ty Lue's got them going. OKC, Denver, Dallas, New Orleans. I mean, Sacramento. go down the list. Sacramento. Um Getting one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference will require them to play about as well as they've already played because other teams. And also, let's keep in mind that the Wolves have been extraordinarily fortunate with the schedule makers and with injuries. They've had a rest advantage on other teams. It's going to happen again tonight. Dallas played last night at home. They're coming up here on a back-to-back while the Wolves have hung out. So, I mean, that's enormous. And that has happened three or four times as often as the reverse this season. And meanwhile, two games without Zion against the Pelicans. uh, Got Memphis at least twice, I think, without Ja. Yep. Uh, these things are, nobody can predict them. And
1: mm-hmm. certainly
2: the wolves have been on the wrong side. Yeah, I, I don't think you're things.
1: saying this to take away from it. It's just like, you know, that has skewed good. And even just like the, the back-to-backs thing has skewed great right. right, thus far for the wolves. They've only had right. two of them. And I think they have 13 so for the rest of the season, they're going to have 11 more back-to-backs. Like some of that, it, it's going to go multiple different ways and right. the are prob- like odds are maybe not going to have as much of the matchup luck or the rest, the the rest luck there. I don't think it's been like huge or massive. I don't think it's reason to believe there's going to be a major shift. I just think it's like a, it's just a good reminder to be like, yeah, to sustain being one of the top seeds in the West, it's probably going to require getting marginally better over right. the course of the year. And, you know, picking that, low-hanging fruit that that's out there because again, in this difficult eight game stretch, it's starting to move in a different direction. You're starting to play like a five seed after right. you, uh, you know, a, a five through eight seed rather right. than the first 20 games of the season, you played as a, a you know, a, a top. And, seed. and
2: I tweeted out at some point, I can't remember what their record was. And I said, if the Wolves go 500, the rest of the way, they'll have a 48 win season or something. Yeah and somebody immediately kept back, that'll be a massive disappointment to people. (laughs) And I'm saying to myself, 48 wins, you know, in the Western Conference is a massive, and fans are now expecting, okay, you're playing 750 ball. Play 750 ball. We've seen it. We want more of it. Sure, you want more of it. But if this team can be a top-four seed, In the Western Conference, through the dog sled days of February and March, when everybody is grinding and the schedule turns a little easier for them, but also has more back-to-backs or whatever. I still think anywhere from 48 to 56 wins is about where this team was going to wind up landing. And I think that 48 wins might get you the four seed. It might get you the five or six seed. And that's, that's big. And that's why, to bring it all full circle on an incredibly circuitous conversation, <laughs> uh, why I think the Minots and the Millers are not in the rotation because you need – Sacramento lost to Portland the other night boy, that feels like a big ding in their schedule right now.
1: Sure. You know, I mean. That's and, what I was just going to say, man, is it's like, you know what the Wolves have done this year consistently all the way through is they haven't had one of those. Right. right. They, they, they haven't had one of those. They've. You know, they beat the Pacers without Halbert, and They beat the Lakers without LeBron. I mean, they've had a lot of these. They beat Zion, like, right. the, those times without him. You know, maybe no Luka. But they rank. beat him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, <laughs> yeah, and like, right, exactly. And, and we do the thing so much of be like, oh, lucky you're playing so-and-so on a back-to-back. Or, oh, and I do this. I'd be mean, like yeah. I'm calling myself out. Sure. Uh, of like, oh, lucky so-and-so isn't playing in this game. Well, you know, to get that to the mid-50s sort of thing, part of it is just lining those up and knocking them down. And if Luca doesn't play tonight, line them up, knock them down. And, 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 and to the wolves credit, which obviously we know they did not do at all last season. It was about one of the, one of those blazers blemishes every 10 days or something, Um, you know, credit to them for being able to do it. That's, what's going to make them a, a great regular season team. And, and people say that like, Oh, it, oh great regular season team you know don't know about the playoffs well if you are a great regular season team you can fine tune uh, along the course of the season you know you're lining those up you're knocking them down and then you get another thunder matchup coming up in a couple weeks or whatever and you're like all right let's see what we can do against this let's test let's test ourselves in a more of a playoff concept make you know make some adjustments against these teams like that that's the thing let's be good during the regular season and when these things that test us like a Kings team does like a Thunder team does, or like a Lakers team on Saturday who can go big. There's right. all these different things where you're like, you know, let's keep plugging along. And when a test comes, let's answer that test because we know one of these ways, probably multiple of these ways are going to test us in the playoffs. And to that end, I think it's, you know, it, it's, I don't have, I don't have complaints. I, I, I don't have complaints with what this is. It's like, But keep that same business mindset that they've seemed to have the whole year, and then uh, yeah, line them up and knock them down. Well, and I
2: don't know what the current math is. I haven't done it recently, but I would guess that the Wolves' current record, you know, twenty-two and seven, a little bit more than three wins for every loss, um, translates. Sixty and twenty is three wins for every loss. So, we're on a 60 win pace right now. Mm -hmm. For this team to play as well from here to the middle of April as they have played thus far means that they will win more than 60 games after winning 42 last year (laughs) against the Western Conference, that I would argue is much tougher than it was last year. So, I can revel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Covering a team that grinds people down and plays elite defense and has thrilling performances against the Heats and the Celtics and the, the storied franchises playing great ball. Yeah. without losing perspective of the idea, that this may turn into a 55 win season or a 51 win season or a 48 win season. Mm -hmm. And that the bulk of the work over the course of the season should still be regarded as something that is, is admirable. It's an admirable performance Mm -hmm. by a basketball team, the likes of which we have not seen. So, uh, Am I going to criticize the team? Am I going to call them arrogant when they only win by two against Charlotte or whatever? Yeah, I'm prone to that. But at the end of the day, you want to take satisfaction in what is happening because it's good hoops. And that's why we're all here. At the same time saying, let's not be assholes about this. Let's not say, hey, you know. Yeah. We had steak four nights a week before. What is this bullshit roast beef tonight? You know?
1: <laughs> no, I I and I think this is like the I, I'd say for me is like the, the learning process of covering and you know, figuring out a team that's playing on a different level than I've ever covered before. I mean, you and thirty-five years have only really covered one team at all right. like this. 2003, right. And it had that
2: magical quality too. I mean, all of a sudden, yeah. you know. Fred Hoiberg, Irvin Johnson, Trenton Hassel. I mean, you know, right. they weren't doing this that year. You know? <laughs> right,
1: right. It, it's, it's been just personally, it's been like a I mean, interesting thing to, you know, cover this level of team given the caliber of teams that I've covered before. And I think, you know, a lot of people who listen to this, you know, have listened to us for years, have known that that's kind of the way we look at this this stuff and it was easier to do with uh completely flawed teams or pretty somewhat flawed teams you know i think about like the pat bevan van team you know and and i i've I've had to like check myself a couple times of being like you know just i guess as simple as am i being too negative and like Uh am i being too too nitpicky with it Mm -hmm. and 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 I think part of it is, I guess, my bias of just how I've always done it is that's that's the way I look at this team. And I'm always like, where can it get better? It is it is an interesting thing to, to ask yourself, the where can I get better stuff mm-hmm. when it's already pretty good, really good. Right. You know, well,
2: for me, and I think to actually just to some extent for you, which I think one of the reasons we converse well is because I don't want to ride the crest of a wave. I want to basically find where the grain, I'm going against the grain a little bit. And what that does is makes me go deeper into my assumptions mm-hmm. at the same time that I'm trying to get a different perspective and context, forcing myself not to say, all right, they're great. Let me gush here, let me gush here. Cause that's, you can do that and you should do that as part of what you do, because that's what you're seeing. But like I said, this team is not going to be this good all year unless unless it's just some phenomenal Mm -hmm. growth. It's, you know, where they're playing at a 60 win pace. Mm -hmm. And so let's look at, as the games go along, where the drop-off may be inevitable. We've just got to talking about it fairly extensively and where the sustainability can be. And that's why I'm heartened actually by Finch saying, I believe that we have a sustainably great defense. We're just not playing it right now. I mean, that's the message.
1: And I agree with that me. too. Yeah. I and agree. I agree with that too. And If
2: there is a reason... Why I would say, yeah, 60 games, why not? Um, it would be because I've seen this team wear down people. I would say rub them out, but I know what happens when that happens. So. <laughs> now that the kids have schooled me on what that means.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Your timing on that one wasn't great, uh, given what else is in the news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I do. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it, I guess, is what I want to say. It's like, uh, I, I even just like the Kings and Thunder game, I thought it was like, personally, for me, like, you know, I'm going into these games and I'm just interested in like, you know, these teams play a different way. And like, in theory, a way that punctures some of the things that I have concerns about with this Wolves team. And... I enter into these games thinking about it like that. And then it's awesome to be, to have those things affirmed or I guess denied uh, watching that Kings game and being like, wow, you know, um, that, that was like the team I was kind of most worried about in in the West. And they showed me something in that Kings game. Again, you got to run it through the context of like, that was a back-to-back for the Kings or whatever. And Carl didn't play. What does it look like with that? But, but I go, you know, man, Power to them. I think the Kings are a good team. And I think they they can pummel you at times. And right. they didn't without Cat, they didn't let themselves get pummeled, you know. And and so I leave that very, you know, believing in continued growth for this team. And then and then the Thunder, you know, throw you something the next game. And you you start at like questioning your what were my biases related to a Thunder matchup previously, where I was like, you know, I'm less th- I came into that Thunder game less concerned about the Thunder because I'm thinking back to the playing game of last year. I'm like, I don't know. Kind of feels like this is one of those teams that the Wolves can really assert their physical dominance against. And I think about the Thunder game from earlier this season where they they handled them well at Target Center, and then they lose to them, you know, right. the, the other night. And you go, well, okay, let me recalibrate. I don't know what the answers are, but right. if I'm I'm adjusting and I'm asking why what's different like what was I underrating uh, about Oklahoma City here and what they could they could do against the wolves? it, it makes for me it makes for it to be a really interesting puzzle to to sort of navigate and not one to ever condemn but to be like, you know it's fun to cover a team that I believe has answers to just about every question. They just to get to them it might take time and they're gonna need to be a real, commitment to it but i i think this team has answers for just about everything are they going to be able to find those and execute those um i can't wait to find out
2: and to me and it, you know we're all prone to bouts of laziness we have lives etc cetera, etc
1: cetera, you yeah, know particularly right now it's like but, <laughs> this last week and, or so, you're like Ugh.
2: but at the end of the day when when i'm locked in um the more You know about the game, the more fun it is to learn other things that add to your knowledge. I mean, that's the thing that um, I have a long history with this team, but I also watch a lot of NBA and you can get to the point where you think, you know, a lot and then you find out, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) And I didn't know that. And it's because the games keep coming and the world keeps changing and it keeps bringing you up to the present moment. If you're alert enough to stay in the present moment, the game will keep teaching you things that are so satisfying to learn. I mean, I love, I, I know that this is probably, you know, kind of a, it sounds defensive and, perhaps on some context it is but when i make a mistake it is not that unpleasant to me i mean you know i've made enough of them i'm kind of used to it but also uh it's an opportunity to say oh i didn't know that you know this is what i assumed just what you said you know i mean i i thought the thunder was a good matchup for the wolves and all of a sudden what new things in the equation yep. maybe not, and. And that ambiguity it, it makes you thirsty let's see, game. En- let's see another yeah, game. Yeah, and, yeah, you know? totally. and so, you know, I mean and, it, and not
1: living and dying with it, right? Not yeah, not, yeah, not being like, right. oh, the I mean that and to to reference back to like the Rudy and Utah stuff, everything was painted in such black and white generalities. Yeah. All right, generalizations. Generalities, I don't think that's a word. Generalizations, uh, of, like, a Rudy team can't do this. Well, no, a Rudy team can get exploited by that. That doesn't mean it is a truth, you know? Right. And and just because clearly um the Thunder messed with the wolves in the middle of the floor, right? Navigating chat on the pop and navigating Shay going downhill into the mid-range doesn't mean that the wolves can't defend. A stretch big. It doesn't right. mean that. We've actually seen them doing that. We've seen Rudy do that. It's it's interesting when it doesn't work because it makes you go, all right, like I went into that Thunder game and I'm like, you know, me and you do this before. Every game we're sitting next to, you, we're like, how do you think they're going to match up here? Right? Like, right. who's Rudy going to guard? Whose town's going to guard? And I would have for sure gone into that Thunder game and like, yeah, this makes sense to put Rudy on the Chet thing. Look what he did the last time they played the Thunder. And I sit here today and I go, After now watching it again, you don't want to be too reactionary, but you ask yourself, I don't know, maybe is this, maybe should they put Rudy on Giddy and had him lurk? Right. You know, and have Jaden on
2: Chet, where, you know, Chet is is not quick enough to uh, give Jaden that problem and then put Nah on on his cousin, you know, which is always, you know, it's the, uh, yeah,
1: I mean, it it is. Those, Those things are fun. For me, those things are fun to think about. And not of like, this is for sure an answer um, or this is for sure a problem, but like, hey, this is what happened here. What's going to happen the next time when they play that? Anthony Davis on Saturday, in many ways, plays, is going to play similar in that pop uh, as Chet Holmgren did. How are the Wolves going to handle that? Oh, now you add in the wrinkle of bronze in this game now too. We know how they handled it before. Like, I I love that stuff. I I love thinking about it. And I think it's what, how many of those answers do you find over the course of the season prepares you for how good of a postseason team I think you're going to be able to be? Because you've now been tested, you know, in, in right. all these different areas that are theoretically your weaknesses or are weaknesses uh, of, right. of your team. And you go, all right, do we have an answer for those? And the Wolves don't have an answer for every one of those right now. It right. doesn't mean 30 games from now they won't. That's what this right. season that that's the way I'm viewing the season is like, how many of these answers can we find over the course of the year? So when you get that first round playoff matchup against Dallas or whoever right. you go, all right, these are the answers they have for this team. This is what they're going to try to exploit. Let's harken back to, to previous things that have happened over the course of the season. We're getting a lot of information and on, then those things.
2: On top of everything else, what is kind of fun is that if, Josh Okogie doesn't suddenly become insanely hot from outside and Lou Dort doesn't become insanely hot from outside. Those are closer games. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you don't change your defense to stop Lou Dort from deep or Josh Okogie from deep necessarily. I mean, these are the the other things that are like the unforeseen – uh variables that may or may not have any meaning. It may just be that they're random positives, random negatives. Uh-huh. You know, why is ant going free for 17 some game or whatever? You know, sure. It's like uh anyway, That's I guess fun. what I what I'm trying to say uh is that as Tim Bull's fans go through this phenomenally successful season probably the most successful season any of us have gone through with Minnesota. We remain a little over a third of the way through. We got a lot of basketball left. We have no idea what fate is going to throw at us in terms of injury or whatever. Um, but we have seen the belief of the front office and the head coach Gratified, we have seen that what they thought could happen can happen that to me is the big takeaway thus far it's is that th- this wasn't a surprise to tim Connolly and chris finch i mean when i did my big interview with finch i baited him on this shit i mean i you know would you do the rudy deal over again and uh, how are you going to do this and how about this and he was not in a position of strength and had to concede. Well, last year didn't go the way it was going. But when I pushed him a few times, he basically just gave me a look and said, Hey, we full stop. We would do the Rudy Dale the same way today. We don't think about going back on that. We're committed to going forward. And it was, it was a marker laid down and, and, it looks a hell of a lot better now than it did only two months ago or three months ago. And kudos, I mean, kudos to Finch and Connolly and everybody in that front office who not only got Gobert here for what I regard still as too much, but certainly more justifiable now. And then surrounded that core of Aunt, Cat, Jaden, you know, whatever with Mike Connolly, slow-mo, you know, no, nah, that's, you know, that's how you make a team. And that, what that much we know, we know that Kat and Rudy, and that that's what the national media knows now, which is why, you know, Steve Ashburn of NBA.com was at the practice the other night. We, we're going to, we're going to see more national media and we're going to see narratives saying Sam addict in the yeah. athletic, you know, though can the wolves win a championship? It certainly looks like it. Well, that's the careen in the opposite direction, of course. You know, first we'll ignore him and then we'll anoint him. But uh, <laughs> you know, even so, uh, we're going to see uh, more of that because it's a fun dynamic happening right now.
1: I was, uh, I, I was listening to uh, Dunk Don, uh, Nate Duncan, and and Danny Larue, and they, uh, they do like Western Conference, you know go through all the Western conference teams, spend like five to eight minutes on each of them. Uh-huh. And it is, it is funny how, you know, whenever I have listened to a podcast or read an article really on the wolves over the course of time, naturally that, that question comes up, you know, would you do it again? Would you, would you still do the trade? And it it's interesting to hear people talking about that now when the wolves are the, you know, the number one seed in the West and, I don't really, um, I don't agree with this, but like those two, Duncan and Larue, were still on. They wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and and again, don't don't think I really agree with that, but kind of respect it, you know, respect mm-hmm. for like. Well, I I think I I don't know why we do the deal either. I mean, I, I just- okay. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Is yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I think that the the draft picks. I think the treasure involved. And what people always leave out of the equation, what could you have gotten as a front office out of Beasley, Pat Bev, and Jared Vanderbilt? Mm -hmm. You know, what's a a shrewd personnel trader like Tim Connolly when he takes a look at what he needs in that roster and has those three assets and all those draft picks still as capital to pair? And, by the way, Walker Kessler. Uh, you know, it, it becomes then, I mean, this is the point I made to Finch that got his hackles up and probably rightfully so, but if you had Walker Kessler and then you make a trade for Mike Conley and and do the deal deal, look at that roster with all your picks and whatever you want to get for Beasley band or whatever. I mean, I think that's a compelling argument.
1: Um, I think there's a I, lot of butterfly effect elements in there too of like if you don't do that then yep, yep. particularly and considering Utah was involved in the yep. both of the trades you know
2: understand yeah. and also I would also say that uh draft picks first rounders multiple first rounders and everything the cachet on that the 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 hype is almost always bigger than the reward you know I mean I don't know many teams that have really cashed that
1: well you know I I, I guess my question just is then what does Rudy have to do like is there is oh, there it, a it level is. is there a level he can get to because I think there is I, I think it's what I'm t- I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. I, I I really do like and, and I'm not saying it's fair but like at what at there has to be some point. I guess I'm lumping you in here too, and and the others out there sure. who say no to the trade. Like, there has to be some point where Rudy is so good that you relent on that and 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 you give that up. And I I think, and I don't know if Rudy's going to to do this, but I think he's already been the defensive player of the year, and I think there's some more things he can do defensively. I, I think he can be even better defensively. We've seen it before. We've seen him be better in one-on-one situations previously in his career in Utah, and we've kind of put put out to see the idea that he's deteriorating defensively. Like we've seen this before. He's just done. He's done so much to to play in coverage, to play in zone, to do the shell, that I think he's gotten. 10-15% worse in some one-on-one sci- assignments. I don't think that means he's he's worse than that. I think he can get even better at it. I, I think he mm-hmm. can get back to where he was there. And now you're like, okay, the defensive player of the year is 10 to 15% better. That's something. Can he get can he get 10 to 15% better offensively too? I, I think so. I think in 15 more games over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to this pick and roll more often. That's where he gets his best offense generated. I think we're seeing him being a better offensive rebounder. Can he do more of that? Can he sustain that? Can he do those things? Because if he can do those things, and we really, if he's a top 10, 15 player in the league, which Mm -hmm. I think he becomes, if he does those things, it's like, man, now you got, you got three top 20 players on your team. I get it. I get it.
2: And and and, to the again, that argument is not off base. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm not on the same bases that you're on. But that I don't think that uh, what you say is inaccurate. I guess what I would go back and look at is what I said when the deal was made, which was this has to make the Wolves perennial first rounder better players. I mean teams. And they need to be a championship contender at least one of those years. They need to be in the conference finals, mm-hmm. you know, and they need to be past the first round on a regular basis for this trade to be worthwhile. Yeah. And that can still happen. But mm-hmm. there are three years
1: left. And um, well, well, that that's what so that's what the dunk down guys were saying was like, you know, I, maybe my answer would be different if I knew that they would have a couple of bites, at, if it wasn't just this year and that was it. And, and that's, that's, I mean, those oh, guys- and I, th- I
2: think that's possible. I mean, and I'm not, I, I guess what I should have said is I'm not right today. I wouldn't do the deal, but I would do the deal a lot more than I would have done it two months ago. Yeah. And, and I could get swung when you say, what's it going to take? I I tend to look more in terms of team performance uh, because I think when you make a deal that sacrifices so much of what you use to make a team better, then the team performance has to be how you judge the trade. Mm -hmm. And so if the Wolves get past the first round this year and are even better next year and go to the conference finals, then I'm on board. I would say, hey, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I didn't think it was possible. Or I I had a benchmark when the trade was made. They reached that benchmark. All credit to him. Uh, yeah, and and, and I right think- now that's still that's still in play both ways. I mean, it could it could work, it could not work. But right now, Rudy is certainly he is one of the most important players, if not the most important player. I would still argue, Ant, but he is one of the most important players on a number one seed. It's a place he's been before, but I do think that the surrounding personnel can give him those improvements on both sides of the ball that you're talking about, and that might happen. And then if this team grows up enough and Ant is playoff Ant that he's been in the past and Cat is over the things that used to plague him and may still plague him coming up, and Mike Conley's health holds, uh, then we may see this. And then you just, you know, then you're along for the ride. It's a party, you know, Hey, you know, give well, me and, more. And that,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I guess I don't agree with the idea that this party is one year.
2: Oh, right, right. and I don't necessarily agree with that. Either. No, and it's I know, And like, hold
1: on. Let me, let me, okay. let me do it. Cause I, I'm, I'm less, your argument is different than theirs. Their argument was it's just this year. Then Oh, no, I don't agree with that, and and it's going to be Conley and Anderson are gone, and
2: Conley will, will make, not be
1: gone exactly. And I think that's the part of this that if we want to have on December twenty eighth, the like was assessing the Rudy Gobert conversation is, and what makes it different than two months ago is, I think there is a world where. I believe in a world where Conley is back more than I did 2 months ago and I even more importantly I believe in a world where Mike Conley is back next year as a 37 year old and isn't washed.
3: You know what oh, I mean right, Conley right.
1: it's been he's been on the wolves for 53 games. He's played in every single one of them through six different back to backs. Like that we need to I know we have this fear like he's going to magically like break down or whatever but we need to look in the past and be like Conley has sustained let's maybe not think of him as a 36 year old Right. And so next year when he's a 37-year-old, let's not bake in a high likelihood of deterioration. There, that right. always is going to exist because he's 37. And let's not rule out the idea that the Wolves will, for a year, next year, pay the second apron.
2: Tax and, him. We don't know.
1: But let's right. – I don't know. I just saw Woj tweet something like they for sure bought the team or whatever. I still don't even know how that entire thing works. Yeah, he's got a little – picture of Lori and A-Rod they have a December 31st deadline like it's coming right like are we do we think I I mean and I know the financial ramifications are massive but do we really think that A-Rod and Lori are going to buy this team and next season is going to be their full year of actual full autonomy of it and they're going to be like nah let's chill like we're not gonna we're gonna yeah we won 55 games
2: last year so we're gonna we're gonna you know we're going to pull back and a first round playoff win will be enough. That's not going to happen. Yeah, if that's exactly. not going
1: to happen, then then we need to, then let's and, not only think about this season as the way in which to define this trade. And right. and I think that's why I'm getting to the point, I guess, to my answer to this. is like, much like we were talking about with the games and learning the season. Like, let's feel this out as it goes. We're gathering more information over time. And the only nitpick I really have on the trade at this point I'm just making myself focus on the success of the team because that matters. They're 22 right. and seven. The only thing that I hit on, and it's the thing I had back then that I have not moved on is I would have made my all in trade when Ant was 25, not when he was 21. That's hmm. just, that yeah. is, that is the one thing, but that, that that's my one looming right. thing. But if they get to a conference finals, if they present themselves more assuredly as a really big threat this year or next season, then whatever. It doesn't right. matter if right. it's 21 or 25, whatever. They got a team now. And um I think I, I think it just gets brushed over a little bit too too much. And,
2: just, and back to your original point of Duncan's assumptions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Tim Connolly, when he first came, kind of irritated me because I thought he was evasive in a lot of his he used fudgy language or or basically didn't answer the question. Um And I think what I have seen since then is that he can be evasive because he doesn't want to talk, and sometimes that's smart. But when he says something directly, he's not bullshitting you. I mean, when he said, we'll make every effort to sign Nas, I went, "Ah, I don't know about that. You know, he did. And when he said, I mean, the first question, I was the one who asked it, the first question of media day was, do you think you're going to go f- sign Mike Conley? Or how do you feel about all this? And he said, our hope and plan is for Mike Conley to finish his career in Minnesota.
1: Mm.
2: That was a flat-out statement. Yeah. And that was said before when the team's record was 0-0. and And – I think I would almost take it to the bank, and it's not my bank, so it's easy to take it to the bank, that the Wolves will re-sign Mike Conley. Uh, I think it will not be cheap, and I think it will strain luxury taxes, and people will clutch their pearls, mm-hmm. and it will be a big story, and it has right to be a big story because it has ramifications. But If you're on this path and you are 22 and seven and Mike Conley is one of the Rudy Gobert whisperers and Mike Conley is shooting like 45% from three and about half of those threes come on high pick and roll step backs with Rudy Gobert. Then what in the world are you thinking about breaking up the duo when they're both on the tail end of their career and you're not going to get what they're worth.
1: In and um, what you're thinking is, if that is a question, it is we are going to make accommodations elsewhere. And that accommodations might be paying a crazy tax. It might be letting go of Kyle Anderson. It might be, you know. Trading Nas or Cat, right. I, and I think the Nas, one, like that might ultimately be where it gets to next summer. Like, I I think, I think there's a pretty easy path to shed $14 million for next season and get a first round pick. I think you could trade Nas Reed into a team with cap space, like the Spurs or something like that. And if you, I mean, and I know this is like blasphemy for Wolves fans, but if we're having like a removing all things like strictly economical, I think there's paths that this team can shed some, some money there. I think you could get a first and trade Nas into somebody's space. If you, if you were certainly easier than you could shed 60 million for cat exactly and i'm just saying that's the one we always go to and i think we have to recognize how how much better carl's gotten this year how much more he's acclimated in a difficult job again you know
2: i'll save you the trouble none of this is Mm -hmm. at all negative to the people we're talking about we're talking about Mm -hmm. you've got a gallon's worth of talent and a quart and a half's worth of (laughs) roster. Yeah. And you can't pour it all in. And if you do, then the spillage is going to be messy and it's going to affect what you can pour in future years. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make tough decisions. And it's a wonderful problem to have if you're – I mean, I said this on a a MinPost Zoom uh, when somebody asked me about Conley and slow-mo and whether or not slow-mo's play this year has influenced my thinking, and I said it had. Uh, And what I said was I would take Conley over slow-mo in a heartbeat, but I also said, let there be no mistake, whoever signs or gets Kyle Anderson next year is getting a great player. And I would say the same thing. If you got a 24 or whatever he's going to be year old Nas Reed, that's worth something, you know, for a team. That's going to be, uh, and that's just what you're doing is you're winning now. You're the Wolves and you're going for it. And Nas Reed is the guy off the bus uh, because you're winning now. Um, And, you know, you at least recruit a first round pick to your thinking or something else, but none of this is, these are good problems to have. Exactly. These, these are the kinds of things it's a hell of a lot better than saying, uh, well, you know, if we pair our two second rounders and the eighth pick, we might move up to the fourth pick.
1: Right, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> and, and, and I think, so I just looked it up tonight's Go Bears 100th game as a Timberwolf. Hmm. Um, so that's a clean little thing that I'm going to definitely put in the title or something here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh like it's been a, it's been an adventure, you know, and, and it's, it's one that requires, I think analysis at all the stops, including right now, which is at a really good time. And, and to answer the, probably overly simplified question of like, would you do the trade again? Um, These are all the things that really require uh, unpacking because it does tie to the financials. It does tie to the fit of the roster. What else do you have there? Um, But like you said, Finch and Conley and everybody who works there was not surprised by this at all. They understandably roll their eyes at the question of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and maybe we do this thing where for us to justify a trade in our heads, we have a bar set really high. And um, maybe that's the bar that cleanly and comfortably allows us to say the trade was a success. I think there's a gray area. And given the price that they paid and given the risk behind all of it, um, it's probably a pretty big gray area. But uh, I, I, I think the Wolves are at least at a minimum there. And that's it. That's an accomplishment, you know, and that, that's, that's growth over the, over the hundred games. And I don't know. I I'm, I'm curious to see how and where Rudy can continue to grow over the course of the season. Cause I think he's on a mission, like not, not to like prove the trade is that he's just like, we're winning now. I right. there he is. That dude is confident. He has a belief in this. And I'm, I'm just really interested to see, you know what he can what he can do with it because, it's uh, it's going about as well as as he could have asked for, and it's crazy that even with that being true, there's still it's still an open conversation of like, you know, what does and what doesn't, uh, make make sense about this trade. I'm just I'm looking for that 10 to 15 percent extra from Rudy, and it and it's a lot to ask, but I think he can do. I, I I've seen him do more things previously. Some of the areas that he's gotten a little less sharp or hasn't been sharp at all year. It's in his game. He has it. It, the defensive stuff. I think there's this level you said earlier, like I don't, I don't know if they're going to remain the top seed or a top two seed in the Western conference. If Rudy does these things, they will. And, um, and I think that's uh, again, a lot, a lot to put on him, but I think it's a big compliment to him too, that, that we're leaving open the idea that we can be 60 games into the season and, and look at it and just be like, man, look at the, rec- the Wolves record. How can you not say Rudy Gobert's is a top 15 player in this league right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got, he's got more work to do there. And he's been doing, he's been doing a lot of work, uh you know, to, to get to this point too. And we'll, we'll see where it goes, but this has somehow gone extremely long as I was like, Oh, you know, this'll be a, this'll be a quick one. We got a game tonight, uh, whatever, but, that's uh, it's fun. There, there's more things to talk about, um, in a stretch like this where it is five wins and three losses, right? We're we're uh highlighting positives, we're picking at things that that could get better. And I'm I don't know, I'm uh I'm enjoying it and uh yeah, appreciate you doing it.
2: Hey, my pleasure.
1: I'll uh, mind, we'll probably yeah,
2: continue but... it once the button goes off, you know,
1: <laughs> exactly or at the game tonight as <laughs> right. we're, we're sitting there. Right. I'm, I'm excited for that Mavs matchup too. That's an interesting, like. Yep, Rudy can't do a ton in that matchup sort of game. Like On the Lyle, other hand, he Lyle has takes bothered the it,
2: shit out of Luca in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah. Less so in that that more recent no, game. I know that was a, a, a more of a wings defensive. Yeah. yeah so but, it's like, I, but that's what I'm excited to see tonight. I'm like, yeah, right. you know, Rudy's going to have watched all the film from that Dallas matchup ten days ago or whatever it was, and be like, he's going to go. My impact wasn't what it could be in that game right. it wasn't and, and like let's see what he does tonight you know I'm, and, I'm and also
2: finch mentioned when, when john yesterday at practice asked about uh did did they come in how did the team come in after that last game he said i think they were bothered and after they had a film session that wasn't pretty but the first thing you have to do is establish accountability so i know he ripped them a new one in the films and yeah. they're going to be I think they Dallas on the end of a back to back you know I'm probably eat these words in 24 hours or whatever <laughs> but uh Dallas coming in at the second half of a back to back the Wolves having just been walked and berated by their coach appropriately so for not doing their signature things um I I think I expect a very good performance from the Wolves tonight
1: yeah because that's becoming the assumption with this team yeah. is you assume positive intent or you assume positivity, right? <laughs> right. Um they, they've they've earned that and um and I think they're continuing to earn it uh a little bit less so through this more difficult stretch but like you set the bar right you set the bar being five hundred or above in in this stretch uh twenty five and twelve That's... you know they they are doing they're doing that now and, That's and more comes... than two
2: wins for every loss. Mm-hmm. You know you do that you're uh let me see, fifty-seven and 24, 58 and twenty-four. I don't know, it's right around there. I can't, I can't get exactly what it is, but it's you know, essentially, more than two wins for every loss is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you're playing six hundred ball, more and, than six hundred ball.
1: And and I I think I said last week when we were looking at this stretch, and it was earlier in it too. I was like, I think eight and eight might even be selling them short. I think I said ten and six. Yeah, you did right i think and and you know five and right now players. they're exactly on pace mm-hmm. and so let's let's you know yeah. let's let's see if they they can sustain i'm not yeah they go on sure. the road against a
2: really rugged i mean they have dallas again and houston mm-hmm. but yep. then you know you've got a rugged orlando team you've got the celtics right after orlando back to back yep yep i mean so it's mm-hmm. and the celtics are going to be ready they remember that game
1: mm-hmm. so you know it's going to be going to be fun Yeah, it it is as, as were these two Kings Thunder game. Like I'm, I'm going to remember those two games that kind of sandwiched together Christmas as a, as a turning point, as this is just a turning point of the season. Christmas is over. Here we go. Chapter two. Um, let, let's see, let's see what the wolves have for, for the, uh, for the rest of the season. I will see you, uh, at the game this evening. Um, obviously y'all can, be following Britt at Britt Robson uh, for some in-game tweets there and no column until next week. Right. Yep. That's true. My, my best and worst trades. of. Uh... I was going to, that's what I was going <laughs> to plug. That, that's in there. The best and worst trades uh, in, in Wolves history. Right. Uh, you could go check that one out on, on Mintpost.com. That was your little Christmas present. Yeah. For, uh, for well, it's of... a
2: non-time sensitive uh, yeah. column when uh, I think most of the staff, Post is running a skeleton staff and it just made sense that most of the time, a lot of the work, even as a columnist is time sensitive. So, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to look ridiculous saying something that the uh, ensuing three games make look <laughs> stupid, you know? So, yeah,
1: right. Um, well you can check that out uh, there too uh, from Britt as we kind of start creeping towards uh, another trade season here for the Wolves but we got a yeah we got Wolves we got Wolves Mavs tonight we got uh, Lakers Wolves on, on Saturday Britt and I will be at that Mavs game tonight Kyle and I will talk about it uh, tomorrow and uh, yeah till then he's Britt I'm Dane